Walk, where we explore cybersecurity. Guiding you through online threats, we'll aid you in understanding safety protocols and trends. Meet our gurus, Brian from Exact IT, Reginald from Arc Solvers, and Randy from Tech Rescue. Together, we'll delve into current events and hot cybersecurity topics, helping you comprehend their impact. Stay informed, stay secure. Security Squawk, the business of cybersecurity. Buckle up, let's dive in. Buckle up. Buckle up. <laughs> Buckle up, here we go. What's up, guys? Welcome to another edition of the Security Squawk podcast. I'm Brian, here with Randy and Andre. How are you guys? We missed last week. We were traveling, but here yeah. we are back this week. I'm great, man. I love the new intro. Although, um, where's our studio audience cheering us on? They left. <laughs> we went private. <laughs> we moved that. We moved away from the live audience. They were too distracting. <laughs> All right. So before we jump into every day, our topics for today, which we got a bunch to get through. Just remember that uh, we don't do anything on this show to annoy you or throw ads at you, promote you, promote anything on the show. And all we ask in return for that and the information that we give is that you help us grow the show by sharing the show. So that means sharing us on whatever social media platform you might be consuming us on right now, liking, uh, subscribing to our YouTube channel, and just commenting and asking questions and interacting with us in any way that you can and on your favorite podcasting platform if you want to leave us a five-star review or rate us and let people know why this is a worthwhile podcast those are the things you can do to help us out and we continue to bring you this content so first thing up on the docket guys is initial ransomware demands jumped 20 percent to six hundred thousand in 2023 so let me uh let me just grab my uh, screen here that I want to share, and we'll get right into it. Give me one second. I've got to go all the way up on my show notes here because I'm lost. Hmm. So we got a report here on the significant increase in initial ransomware demands of 2023, and I think a lot of the things that we're going to talk about on today's show are going to kind of reveal why this is happening, right? Um, why why these demands are higher and why the numbers are, are increasing. Um, and we can talk about whether or not we think there's any decrease in ransomware um, based on some of the things that we're seeing with law enforcement. Um, and we'll get into that in a few minutes, but ransomware uh, demands reached a median of $600,000 marking a 20% rise from the previous years. The sectors of energy and natural resources, retail and legal and government were notably targeted with median demands of a million dollars or more. The size of these demands is influenced by various factors, including the victim's financial resources, the industry they're in, the impact of the attack, whatever insurance coverage they may or may not have, and the attacker's disposition. One of the things that this article points out is manufacturing emerges the most targeted industry due to its low tolerance for production downtime, followed by business services, education and nonprofit and retail and wholesale. Ransomware groups tend to publicize data from non-compliant victims on their dark web leak sites. So 
one of the things I found interesting with what I just read there, guys, and we can kind of dive into it a little bit, is, you know, we talk about on this show all the time, um, manufacturing is definitely one of those organiz- or one of those industries that we talk about quite often on this on the show. Uh, I would say education, nonprofits, local government, local mm-hmm. court systems are, are, are ones that we talk about quite often on this show. What we don't talk about on this show a lot is business services. And I found that found it interesting that that was the second industry uh, next to manufacturing that was talked about here when we don't talk about a lot of business or at least service businesses being attacked. Right. And I believe that is why that is, is because they are being attacked. We know they're being attacked, but they don't make the news because these are small businesses. There's no real reporting requirement behind them. And these are the ones that we talk about that we caution people like, Hey, there's a lot of businesses being attacked right now, even though you're not hearing about it in the news. So let's not get a false sense of security because you're not hearing about, you know, maybe your accounting uh, buddies or your accounting yeah. industry firms being attacked on a frequent basis. The reality of it is, is they're just not telling people these things are happening and it's not getting out there. I don't know. Do you guys have a different perspective on that? No, I was totally thinking the exact same thing while you were uh, reading it is why, why are we not seeing it more in the news? And it's for, I would agree the reasons you said also maybe, you know, when it comes to most news, it's about how many eyeballs can they get to read it? How many people can they get to click? And, you know, you're going to get a lot more clicks that you're not going to be able to buy gas this weekend, you know, because there's a cyber destruction or you can't buy something, you know, as opposed to like your CPA is going to be offline for three days or three months or three weeks. You know what I mean? Like it's more likely to attract clicks. It just, it just gets sucked into the news more, but you're right. We see it. We see it all the time and we know we we know the three of us um, how prevalent it is because we see it all the time. Yeah. And it says ransomware demands is 600,000, but that doesn't count all of the other things that goes behind it with the legal fees, with the lawsuits that come with it, the downtown uh, productivity, the contracts that you may have with your suppliers or your customers and vendors. I mean, there's just so much more. So 600 is just the tip. Yep. And and then this article also goes on to point out that the the ransomware landscape in 2023 was dominated by a few variants. Interestingly enough, we're going to talk about some of these variants Uh here later on the show, but Lockbit being the most prominent, followed by Black Cat, Akira, Royal, and Black Basta. Law enforcement efforts have made it challenging for ransomware operations to persist, highlighted by the takedown of Black Hat's leak site and Lockbit's infrastructure in a major operation. So this also, to me, is another reason why demands are so high, because the stakes are higher. Mm-hmm. They, they know, these groups know that if they're going to take down a victim, they you know, the days of asking for a few thousand dollars are over because it's just too much risk and too much, too much effort on their part to, to, to do this and do this in a way where, where they don't get caught. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And all of that's going to require more investment on lots of different things for, for these groups. 
Um, I've mentioned it before. I'll say it again. Most of these ransomware groups, they spend very little or pay very little attention to their own security. You know, it's just about getting things up and running and making things work. They're now starting because of what U.S. law enforcement has been doing to them over the last six months. They're now starting to evaluate how they set up their servers, how they're mm -hmm. doing certain things on the dark web. Mm -hmm. And they are 100% pivoting and changing. They're not right. going away as a result of these law enforcement actions. Anything no. And yeah, so it's a it's a constant cat and mouse game. And, you know, it's funny because the list at the top where they gave that this determines the size of your demand. One of the things they said on there is the ego and mood of the attacker. And currently we're living in the age of these, quote unquote, famous organizations. Um, these organizations, maybe they have. Um, leader or leaders who are charismatic, who are, you know, saying things on the dark web and taunting people. I look at this list you just read and several have either been shut down in the past few months, are in the process of being shut down. They've had money taken care of, taken away from them. I think going forward, going back to the cat and mouse game, Going forward, I think we're going to see these organizations rally less behind a big flag and more just rally behind some kind of anonymity. So that mm -hmm. way you can't look at 5,900 attacks and go, oh, 2,000 of them are lockbit because they put their name on it. They tweeted it. They put it out on the dark web or whatever. I think you're going to see a lot more anonymous to make it harder to just go after because going after lockbit they took down like half the market or whatever, you know? So that's my, uh, I guess my prediction based on what you're uh, saying. So if you're uh, the marketing and branding person for a cyber, <laughs> you know, you may not have a job soon is what Randy's saying. <laughs> They're going to go dark. Exactly. I don't know. These guys, that would be a huge pivot, Randy, if you're right, because these guys are usually very uh, out there and boastful, at least, at least in the, in, in the dark web world so we'll see if that if that rings true and that and that comes to be true or are they just or are they, you know what i i don't know if we've talked about this but i i am doing a series on my youtube channel for on the dark web um and one of the things i touched on in the first video was the fact that these groups have set up these servers like these dark web leak sites. And, and as I mentioned, they didn't put two thoughts into security. You know, you can look at the dark web, I don't know, like the early 2000s version of, of the surface web, right? Like people aren't really thinking about security too much over there. Um, but that's changing. And they're starting to build their infrastructure and they're starting to build um, their servers with the idea that you know with what the dark web is built for and an to be anonymous on and to hide who they are so um you know that's kind of where we're at with those types of things these guys so, have these guys have that, tech they have it people they're gonna be like hey we need a continuity plan right if yeah i mean they're goes just like most businesses they're behind the times on this stuff 
and the reality of it is is they're going to catch up and eventually they're going to be secure and it's going to be a lot harder for the feds to do what what they do today unfortunately um they just have to get better beefing up their security so things like what we're going to talk about later don't happen Mm. so let's just jump into the last bit of this of this article where it highlights the prevalence of business email compromise attacks um and business email compromises, as we mentioned a lot on this show over the years, that accounts for 29, almost 30% of the total incidents uh, when it comes to hacking and cyber attacks. And that actually overshadows ransomware incidents by a factor of 10. So ransomware attacks are only about, or at least the reported ones, are only about 3% of the attacks that are out there. They're just so sensationalized because mm-hmm. of what they do and the, and the way that these ransom demands are, are, are made. But there's a whole lot of other scamming and conniving and malware spreading and, you know, spam spreading and, and attacks are mm-hmm. furthered by the use of business email compromises. Um, and Attacks leveraging publicly available information and AI AI tools result in significant financial losses from these attacks. And it's estimated to be an average of 4.67 million per incident. Mm. That seems to be a lot because I know a lot of businesses that have dealt with business email compromise and it didn't cost them 4.67 million. Right. Yeah, that number does seem a little high. Yeah, it just it's probably just the sample size of who they asked, right? Probably very large corporations. Um, but, you know, and then the article goes on to say that, like, you know, rightfully so. It's not just about ransomware. It's not just about business email compromise because unpatched vulnerabilities are also a major reason why cyber incidents occur with nearly a third of not. So basically everything else that's not ransomware and business email compromise is unpatched vulnerabilities being exploited. Yeah. I mean, I've been saying that for years, man, it's the unsexiest of all the things you can do to be more cyber secure, but it keeps coming back. You know, we've seen over the last couple of years when it was on the rise, looks like it was going to take over. Maybe that's where it's at right now. Um, But it's a, it's a huge boring thing that needs to happen. Um, and it will, would uh, help big time if company more companies were, were doing it. And I, I had a thought on the BEC, the business email compromise, why that number's so high. I think a lot of your BECs are going to fall under like the radar as far as reporting goes, because mm-hmm. if they just get in um, and, you know, maybe they start sending invoices to your customers. It may be that you fall under a certain criteria that makes you have to report it where it can just be solved and remediated and you can move on um, where instead of it having to go and be reported, you know, to your state or to certain, uh, you know, like FTC or whatever. So it may just be that those are so that so many of those are so small they just end up never, never getting to the report part of it. Yeah, what do y'all think one, about 
one user's mailbox gets compromised. You don't have, it's not like a ransomware attack where you just have to assume the worst and it's spread across the network and servers. So it's much easier just to like, okay, we reset the password, we put MFA and, you know, let's just move on. All right, so moving right along, I'm just trying to find, we're talking about Microsoft and OpenAI, right? Um, This is an interesting one. So Microsoft detected that state-backed hackers from Russia, China, Iran, and North Korea um, exploiting its OpenAI supported artificial intelligence tool to enhance their hacking capabilities. Uh, These groups affiliated with significant governmental bodies such as the Russian military Mm -hmm. intelligence and Iran's Revolutionary Guard utilized AI to refine their cyber attack strategies and deceive targets. In response, Microsoft announced a comprehensive ban on these entities from using its AI products, emphasizing a proactive stance against the misuse of technology irrespective of legal or service terms violation. So it's interesting. These guys were trying to use this tool to improve their hacking or at least their technical prowess when it comes to building hacking tools and software. Um, You know, for me, I just look at this like this is a, a very interesting example of why people should be guarded on what they type into that chat bot. Repeat your question. It wasn't a question. It was a statement. Yeah, I just got a, a text that they're doing an interview outside because we have solar. And I didn't, I didn't even know it was out there from like a local TV station. Um, but yeah, so I, I missed I totally missed your statement. No, as I was saying was uh, that on this whole thing with AI and what these what these uh, state sponsored actors were doing in terms of, you know, trying to learn and improve what they're doing in terms of their hacking capabilities by learning or getting shortcuts from ChatGTP is a really, you know, you know, there's a really good warning sign to other companies about what they're allowing their employees mm-hmm. to type into that chat bot. Mm-hmm. Because basically it's saying we're looking at what you're typing in. That's uh that's a great, a great comment on that. I wouldn't have thought about this article from that perspective. Um, you're right. It is, it is being looked at and I've seen people that have been able to quote unquote jailbreak open AI um, to maybe get it to give up some information that maybe was, you know, personal or private. And I know that they've resolved those uh, quote unquote since then. Um, So, and I think in a way this is almost like non news though. I mean, I guess relating to open AI, it is news, but we've been saying ever since open AI came out that, the bad guys are going to use large language models, which is what OpenAI is. They're going to use large language models to craft the the craftiest of all like phishing emails we've ever seen, and the craftiest of all you know compromises that we've ever seen because they can feed all that stuff 
into their version of their large, large language model, if they can't do it with OpenAI, they're going to feed all that in there and come up with some pretty, uh, pretty insanely crafty ideas. So yeah, good that they caught them and good that they're stopping them. And great point. You're right. You have to warn your employees that what you put in there may or may not be private. Maybe it is private to you, but you also know that Microsoft's going to be looking at it, making sure you're not doing things that are illegal, like you read, regardless of their terms of service. Yeah, and it's only a matter of time till these these big three countries, China, Russia, Iran, team up and build their own. You know, it won't probably won't be as powerful. It'll be you know a few versions behind, but it's only a matter of time. Well, they were supposed to be based on. Remember uh, when China was supposed to build their own internet? That didn't go over too well. (laughs) Um, So, a couple other things about this article I want to point out to you guys that I thought was interesting. I I do a talk now uh, for businesses and business organizations when I talk about how AI is being used by cyber criminals, but also how you know cyber defenders are are using it as well. But one of the things I talk about is like the days of the Nigerian prince email are gone because they can just go to ChatGTP and take their poorly written email and put it through ChatGTP and have you know a well written. Uh, email that, you know, somebody's not going to, it's not going to set off any alarm bells for anybody reading it because most people are trained to look for those types of things these days. And when they get something that's not very well written, you know, people start to get suspicious about it. Um, The reason I bring that up is because one of the things that Microsoft identified, the hacker's engagement with AI tools as preliminary and not yet leading to significant cyber advancements is the fact that the utilization ranged from drafting deceptive emails aimed at various target targets. Now this article mentions like including prominent feminists. I don't even know what that means to conducting research on military technologies and generating content for spear phishing campaigns. So I know I've seen, hackers use things like AI to not only craft these emails or craft these spear phishing campaigns, but also research companies, right? The the public information that you put Mm -hmm. out there on LinkedIn, Mm -hmm. on your about us pages, it's all being compiled by AI. And one day somebody's just going to be able to say, give me, you know, the the top 10 executives at this company and craft me an email that sounds, you know, whatever scam you want to put behind it. And, and AI is going to be able to figure all that out for them. And it's going to save, you know, cyber criminals a ton of time because now they don't have to go to LinkedIn. They don't have to go to your website to figure out who you are. They can just have a robot do it. And I'm doing it right now. First, I put, uh, I'm on GPT. I said, uh, craft me a phishing email. It told me that was against policy. So I did wrote, I want to provide, um, I want you to provide me a sample phishing email that I can send to my staff. And then from there, it went ahead and provided it for me. And then as you were talking about, I put one of our clients and I said, you know, who are the top executives? And then I said, what's their email address? And everything is here. Wow. As you were talking. Well, there you go. 
So this particular incident highlights the challenges and risks associated with the rapid development and deployment of AI technologies, prompting calls for vigilance and responsible usage to safeguard against cyber threats. Microsoft's stance on denying these hacking groups' access to its AI technologies reflects a broader initiative to mitigate potential abuses and ensure the ethical uh, ethical application of artificial intelligence. So interesting, Andre. I wonder if you'll get banned now that you just did that on ChatGTP. <laughs> oh well, it was for educational purposes. No, well, right. you, better, you better tell the bot that. You, yeah. you you might get banned. <laughs> I think they want my twenty dollars. Oh boy! Just say it out loud. I think they can hear you anyway. So just yeah. kidding. <laughs> I was going to go to the wrong article. My bad, guys. All right, so I got to. Uh, I got the wrong one up here. My I just apologies. think um, while you're looking that up, I would just say as far as the open AI goes, I, I, we haven't seen anything yet. We are on the tip of the tip of the iceberg at this point. Oh, 100%. That's why I said it's like early 2000s right now when you're, when you're talking about the internet in general, right? <laughs> um All right, so here we go. Next article up. I have it up on the screen, guys. We have this alpha, or is it? No, it's a lockbit, the seized ransomware, the interesting one. We need to get into this one. It's a, I guess, a, a pretty big deal for law enforcement anyway. Um, we'll see where this actually goes. Um, our, the, what we're talking about here is this Lockbit ransomware group, one of the most prolific ransomware groups uh, in the last couple of years, um, was defeated by what's known or being labeled as Operation Kronos. Uh, and that was led by U.S. and U.K. authorities. And the opera operation resulted in the seizure of the group's darknet websites, the arrest of two members, the unsealing of two indictments and the freezing of over 200 cryptocurrency accounts linked to Lockbit's activities. Lockbit, responsible for extorting over 120 million from more than 2,000 victims globally, operated ransomware as a service model, offering affiliates 60 to 80 percent of ransom payments. So let's talk about the initial takedown here, guys. Um, it'd be one thing if they just took down the 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 darknet websites but they actually arrested two members we don't know how high level these members were um and they now have two indictments and they froze 200 and 200 cryptocurrency accounts or wallets um we don't know if any of those 200 are active or worth anything or have any money in them because the, the money moves you know, bounces around like a pinball in a pinball machine. Um, that's how they hide themselves. That's how, and, and there's actually people out there that get paid a pretty good amount of money to track where money goes and what wallets, you know, things are in. And it's, it's not very easy because there's a, this, this money moves quite frequently. So let's get into it. Um, Lockbit's responsible for over 120 million uh, from more than 2,000 victims. And, you know, they seem to have a pretty good model where they only took about 20 to 40% of the revenue and 
the initial access brokers who are the ones who, who actually got access to that network are the ones who uh, get most of the money. Um, so what do you think, guys? <clears throat> um, you think this is going to turn into a a big deal where it's going to hurt the ransomware industry? Or you think this is going to be one of those things where it's like a bump in the road? Bump in the road, but it depends on how, how according to, I did a co-pilot co search, and it says that LockBit, not including affiliates, there's about 10 people. So it really depends on if these two people, kind of like, you know, a typical movie, the government arrests, you know, maybe two lower level people. And now they talk, see how they how far up the chain they can get to to see who actually is the mastermind behind all that. So if the masterminds are taken down, um, I think a lot of these affiliates that were just kind of just franchisee models where they're just buying the tools and buying the, the system. Um, they may not be able to continue and, until they, you know, go elsewhere. But it just depends on who these two people were. Right, and and also, this will be for the good guys. Will be the gift that keeps on giving, because I would assume, since they have grabbed more than a thousand um, decryption keys, they probably have source code. And remember, Lockbit has been a huge proponent of what we call RAS, you know, uh, ransomware as a service. Uh, they've been a huge proponent of that, which means these the, the good guys probably got source code for the ransomware as a service, probably got source code for a lot of the things that they're using, um, which means they won't be in the hands of, you know, the bad actors. Now we need to know, so are these government organizations going to just keep those for themselves or will they go like to Microsoft and stuff like that and, and make it where those vulnerabilities can be that they're using can be patched. Um, but this will give us a lot of insight um, into ransomware um, how it works and all of that as they, I would assume, take this source code and pick it apart. So the operation compromised Lockbit's infrastructure, including the takedown of 34 servers across the various countries and infiltrated the group's primary platform. Two Russian nationals were indicted for their involvement in deploying Lockbit ransomware against numerous victims. Uh, and in one of the Russian nationals' cases, he was also using our evil's ransomware variant. So he's getting charged with, with that. So this goes all the way back to our evil, which again was another prolific ransomware group. Um, but it also tells the story at the same time of, you know, yes, they took down two guys, but does that mean this is the end of Lockbit? Or, you know, or, or if, if Andre's right and there are 10 members and there's eight left, do you think the other eight are going to try to start up their own? ransomware group or some faction of it i think so because that's i'm just going off history like these guys don't stop Jeez, um, they don't, they, don't right. st they don't stop here um and again as i mentioned earlier they're gonna come back better more secure harder to take down um and that's typically what happens in these cases um, so you'll start to see the stories come out, in my opinion, over the next six months, ransomware is declining, you know, businesses aren't paying as much, or there isn't as many ransomware incidents. Um, there's just two points to that. One is, is 
this happens. It ebbs and flows. The second half of 2023 seemed to be crazy. It was the, probably the worst we've ever seen it in history. Um, so it's, it was only a matter of time before things needed to slow down based on how this works. These groups have a lot of success. They get the attention of law enforcement. Law enforcement eventually catches up. And then these guys will work hard to figure out how they're going to be better so they can't get caught the next time. There will be a next time, in my opinion. Um, the other piece of this is, is that you, you're, you're taking down a lot of groups at the same time, which is going to create factions as these groups split up and they move around. Um, so I don't see an end to it. I see a, a slowdown in the next six months or so. But as we head into the back half of 2024 and these groups begin to reorganize, yep. and they get to do things a little bit better. Yep. Plus, I also believe that ransomware as we know it isn't, isn't really as necessary as it used to be. Right. Um, you know, they can just take your files and and or delete them for that matter. Take them mm -hmm. first and then delete them. They don't have to necessarily encrypt them anymore. And I think that that's a big piece of what these groups are going to start looking at in terms of how they do these hacks in the future, because I don't think ransomware is necessary. Right. Yeah, it's not necessarily ne not not necessarily because or not necessary because there's other ways to to get money. And at the end of the day, your data being leaked, especially with laws in place now, your data being leaked potentially can be a bigger pain to the business than your, um, you know, than your uh, data being ransomed at your uh, at your place of business or, you know, on your servers or whatever. So agreed. So kudos to law enforcement because they got this one down in December. They got Black Hat, a uh, Black Hat down Alpha V. Mm -hmm. So and those were the two biggest ones, according to that last article. Oh, that they're, we, um, they're, they're back up. That, like, that's, what I, that's what I mean. Like they just took these guys back down in December and they've already reconstructed their dark net weak sites and they're way more secure. Like, like from what I've read, their current infrastructure they now have set up is, is never going to be taken down by law enforcement. All right. So it goes back to the continuity plan. So kudos right. whoever set up their continuity plan. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's what it boils down to is like, they're just getting better at every time they get taken down, they're getting better. They're learning and they're learning that they need to be a little bit more secure than maybe they have been in, in the past because speaking of Alfie, Alfie ransomware claims Lone Depot potential financial breaches. And those are some pretty big breaches, in my opinion. I mean, I don't know. Um, two very large companies here that um, have gotten hit. And we're going to get into kind of what's happening here uh, as soon as I can find my spot in my notes. Here we go. Alfie Black Cat. Ransomware gang is recently targeting claim responsibility for breaches in the networks of Prudential Financial which is a Fortune 500 company and Loan Depot, a significant mortgage lender. Again, mortgage lenders, major ones being hit. I got to imagine between Mr. Cooper, the 
other one that slips my mind right now, and this one. Um, Fidelity. Fidelity, thank you. The amount of information that is out there on private individuals, like identity theft in the next one to five years is going to be off the off the chain, in my opinion. Like people's heads are yep. going to be spinning yep. when you know, I, I, I just saw somebody the other day posting on Facebook saying like somebody was able to get some kind of real estate transaction done in their name. And it was wild. Like it, it was the amount of money that was that this person was <clears throat> able to get using a false identity unbeknownst to the person until it was, you know, way too late. At, you know, to really stop anything. Now it's just like unwinding it and fixing things, which is probably going to take years. Um, this is going to be ugly, guys. And I, I really think this is going to be a major, major problem that people have never had to deal with before to this scale. And I think, it, I think everybody's going to know somebody who's been scammed in some way. Mm -hmm. And the same, you know, mortgage companies that got breached are probably going to be the same one denying us when it's time to like get a mortgage because they're going to, you know, our credit is messed up. It's going to be so ironic too. So this speaks to the, the business model of these groups, right? Because a lot of people think that it's just the ransomware demand and they make all this money. But right here, these breaches have led to the theft of sensitive data with Alv threatening to sell or release the compromised information. So they're going to make money selling this to people who want to use this information to steal people's identity and scam them. Right. But they, they, that is a market for them. They will go out and sell this information on the dark web and make money that way too. And there's nobody Quite frankly, there's nobody really tracking how many times they sell that data, how much they sell it for, and how much total revenue that these groups are making off of selling this data. But you're talking about thousands and thousands of people's information, mm -hmm. millions of people's information when you're talking about Loan Depot reporting that their breach affected over 16.6 .6 million individuals. It's just mind-boggling, you know, that these people, these 16 million people, are, almost 17 million people are going to have to worry about their credit <laughs> being stolen and their identity being stolen. Um, you know, identity theft isn't just about opening credit cards in your name or opening bank accounts. We've seen it where, like I said, real estate transactions can happen. We've seen it where health information is stolen and people start using your health insurance or using your information to get health care um, in, in crazy ways and certain things. And then these medical bills start showing up at your house like you were the person who had, you know, major mm -hmm. internal surgery um, that cost $200,000. And now you're on the hook for it because, you know, whoever went and got that surgery had enough information where they could fake it like they were you. And if you don't think these things are happening, they're happening on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. I mean, heck, how many, I, I had to change my settings on my cell phone. I was getting so much, not even the whole car warranty stuff, but just so much cold calling and, and spam 
type of calls that I had to make it where if you're not in my contact list, I, you know, it goes straight to voicemail because it's like my, my number got leaked. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, everybody, you know, there's services out there that you can pay for and sign up for that, like wipe your information off the internet, off the service web. Right. You know, um, I know in certain cases you can search for people's names and where maybe, you know, their address. And if you, if you know those two pieces of information, a lot of times just on Google, you can locate, you know, family members and, and other people that are related to these mm -hmm. individuals just based on like two pieces of information. Um, and there's companies out there that will work on your behalf to get rid of your information from those websites. Once they end up here in the dark web, there's no service that's going to remove that right. from, from anywhere. Right. Um, it, it's pretty scary what can happen once your information ends up on the dark web. So Prudential Financial disclosed the breach involving employees and contractor data with no evidence yet of customer or client data being compromised. But kind of so what? Prudential has been doing a really good job of downplaying the impact of this breach. Um, I'll be interesting, Andre, if this is like one of those Friday, you know, mm -hmm. Friday before Easter, Friday before Memorial Day, where they were like, oh, believe it or not, it was actually like a couple million people that data was impacted as well. Right. Um, <clears throat> so the other interesting part of this, guys, is, you know, we took down Lockbit, so why don't we get some help taking down ALF-V as the U.S. State Department has responded by offering rewards for information leading to identification or capture of ALF-V gang leaders. Now, remember, ALF-V is also Black Cat, right? So the same group that was taken down, as Andre mentioned in December, um, they want ten million. They want to give up $10 million to somebody who can lead to to. Uh, the identification and or capture of these gang members because the only the, what they did in December was they just got the servers, right? And they took those down and they quickly learned that they were able to get them back up and get them back up in an even more secure manner. Um, you can also get an additional five million for the information on individuals involved in any Alpha V ransomware attack. The FBI attributes over 60 breaches and at least $300 million in ransom payments wow. to ALF-V activities <laughs> since its emergence in November of 2021, marking it as a significant threat in the cybercrime landscape. Despite law enforcement efforts to disrupt its operation, ALF-V continues to operate, highlighting the ongoing challenge of combating sophisticated cybercrime organizations. So that's what's going on in the world of Alf V and Black Cat, guys. Anything you want to add to uh, this little interesting? Uh, I, um, think I think it's interesting because, and why I say interesting, I think it's interesting because this group literally was disrupted like less than three months ago. And here we right. are. And, and I was going to add a little earlier when you're saying like every single individual needs to go and basically freeze their credit report. Um, you know, if you freeze your credit report, then that is going to block a lot of these transactions happening in your name and all that jazz. Literally just today, I saw where somebody used AI um, to, it was a, you know, it was a, for educational purposes, basically to spoof somebody pretending to be their mom, um, spoofing somebody. We're going to see more and more of that where the AI can 
you know, basically talk in a voice of someone we know. Um, we fooled around with this over uh, the last holiday when we were all sitting around here and came up with some pretty funny things, but it's actually kind of disturbing, you know, with just a little clip, um, what people can do with things. So yeah, lock, lock down your credit um, for sure is going to help stop quite a bit of this um, from at least, you know, using your name and your information, which is all over out there now, and they're putting it together with AI, but it'll help stop some of that from actually um, happening. Yeah, and I don't know how effective these U.S. bounties are when it comes to like outside United States. You know, if even if you do know what's going on out there and you live in Russia or Iran, do you really trust the government, the U.S. government, that they're going to actually um, pay you, protect you? You know, I don't know. There's just been some recent other incidents where people have been left behind after them helping the U.S. government. Thanks for the uh, shout out, Atcha, uh, who uh, gave Thanks, us a Dad. That's your dad? Yeah, yeah. Nice. Love it. Love it. Always love it when the parents support the show. So moving right along, guys. Uh, Fulton County in Georgia. Cyber attack caused a significant disruption last week, affecting its main technology platform, including court, tax, and phone systems. The incident occurred uh, over the, a recent weekend and has led to widespread IT outages impacting operations across the county offices serving over a million residents. While some services like uh, the library and uh, library public computers have been restored, there's no specific timeline for the full restoration of all systems. The Fulton County Board of Commissioners Chairman Rob Pitts confirmed that an active law enforcement investigation is in progress. The cyber attack on Fulton County is the latest in a series of cybersecurity incidents in Georgia following a ransomware attack on Forsyth County and the city of Augusta. Uh, the release of a murder suspect from Fulton County Jail around the time of the cyber attack was stated to be unrelated to the cybersecurity incident. Hmm. Thoughts on that, guys? I mean, this is a, um, you know, we don't really get into a whole lot of politics here other than geopolitics. But, you know, this is definitely a county that's been in the center of all kinds of controversies politically. Um, so this is a really, for them, a real kick in the gut. Um, <coughs> and, you know, yes, a person was released that was a murder suspect on accident. About the same time, I think we've made uh, jokes about that, um, you know, potentially being a problem. Um, so, yeah, hopefully it was unrelated. But, yeah, this is a this is a pretty big deal, man. When you when a county gets disrupted and a county gets attacked. I mean, that's how we do so many services, you know, as uh, citizens and they have tons of information. I mean, this is a goldmine for the bad guys. Yeah. Um, county jail. Technology goes down for a few hours, and now you got the correction officers are using the clipboard to see, you know, who's supposed to be here or not. I could easily see that being a mistake. Sure, hundred percent. You know, or you don't have the system, and you know, you could have two guys with the same name, right? Right, and two guys with the same name, and the wrong guy gets released. Yeah, mm -hmm. bad idea, right? And and. That's why computers are necessary today, so we don't 
so we, we don't mess those things up. But the problem becomes with the incident response <clears throat> when you move to things like paper and you're not used to doing them the way that you do them every day or the way that you've been trained because computers have been around for, you know, most people that are working today haven't worked without a computer. There's probably very few people who are still working today that worked prior to computers. So most people don't know how to do it the other way, right? <clears throat> and when you move to, you know, pen and paper, some kind of incident response backup way of running your operations, mistakes like this can happen. We see it all the time with hospitals um, and then messing up when they go to paper. And you just see, you see it all the time with businesses just being unable to, to figure out how to get things done simply because nobody ever practiced it and nobody ever felt like it was important enough to practice it when there really wasn't an event to deal with. So they're just flying by the seat of their pants during an event. So that's what we see a lot, unfortunately. All right. Last topic. Awesome. We ready to go? Yep. Got to wrap up. I got a two thirty, and I got to put oh, some no, lunch we'll, in me. We're going to keep you here. Mm -hmm. All right, Mr. FBI Director Christopher Wray has issued a serious warning. This, this one's for you, Randy, this article. We saved it for last because we didn't want you getting all worked up at the beginning <laughs> of the show. So um, he's, he's warning us about the extent of China's cyber threat to the U.S., describing it as a significant national security concern. During a security conference in Munich, Ray revealed that China's deployment of offensive malware within the U.S. critical infrastructure networks is now at unprecedented levels, specifically mentioning the Volt Typhoon, a Chinese hacking operation. He warned that this malware could be activated at any time. And man, he's been warning about this for like the past month or so. Mm -hmm. uh, and he keeps repeating it. Um, any time to disrupt vital U.S. infrastructure and stress that it represents just a fraction of China's cyber activities targeting the U.S. Feel free to stop me at any time. Raise alert aligns with broader concerns expressed by the Biden administration and Western intelligence about the growing scale and sophistication of China's cyber attacks. The FBI director highlighted the use of artificial intelligence by Chinese hackers to enhance their economic espionage and data theft efforts, emphasizing the strategic importance of these activities to China's economic plans. This warning follows recent actions by the U.S., including a crackdown on Volt Typhoon cyber espionage campaign and calls from Microsoft CEO, uh, Nadella for international agreements to govern cyber activities. The escalation in cyber threats from China, including hacks targeting, targeting U.S. officials, Microsoft email accounts, underscores the increasing challenge of safeguarding U.S. government and corporate networks against sophisticated foreign cyber operations. So we're going to dive into this a little bit. Randy, I kind of know where you're going to go with this already based on our conversation in the green room. So I'm going to kind of pass it to you and start with you and then we'll we'll head over to Andre and we'll wrap it up with me. Go. I mean, for for me, as you know, I love to read about geopolitics and stay up to date on everything. And I know what we've just in our show, what we've talked about the two year the past two years, um, this is uh almost a no-brainer, but it was also 
very um, exciting for me to read. Not the fact that it's going on, but the fact that they are aware of it. And we shouldn't be surprised by any of this because China has published long-term goals that they have. Um, so this is something that we would probably expect. And it just underlines for me the importance of it, it, this being a national security issue um, and that our, you know, our government needs to be diligent um, about this. I'm not sure if that's where you thought I was going to go, but that's my comment so far. I'm just terrified that this is the public information that he can tell us, the unclassified yep. information. So yep. just imagine what really is happening that, you know, yep. that's being said closed doors. Mm -hmm. Well, one of the things you mentioned earlier was the W word and where and kind of where all this was, was. Oh yeah. Hey, um, hey. yeah. Yeah. So that's a, I was mentioning earlier that when Russia invaded Ukraine and we saw attacks on 365 originating out of Russia, they forexed within like three days. And we saw attacks originating from China. They 10 X in like three days. And we even discussed it on our show that that's going to be the future of war is going to be cyber cyber attacks are going to be a big part of it. And so, you know, we've got tensions with China right now, like over Taiwan and places like that. And they're not stupid and they're very strategic. So if they're ever going to invade Taiwan, you know, they're going to put put, you know, basically their their tentacles into everything that they possibly can. So if they do invade Taiwan, they have some things they can do to, to basically occupy us over here so we won't focus on what's going on over there. Even if it's just a distraction, it could be used in a psyop to bring down national morale. I mean, all the things we talk about in like a microcosm when we talk about cyber attacks, they could literally do from a country standpoint um, if there is war or something like that going on. And it might even be that some wars in the future will be fought without even a single bullet and, you know, ever being fired, um, mm -hmm. that it will just entirely be cyber, cyber, uh, you know, I don't know what you call that cyber warfare. So, so yeah. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, <clears throat> Cause that's where I was going with this whole thing. I personally don't think, <clears throat> I don't know. I might be wrong. I hope I'm wrong. I don't think we'll ever see wars like we've seen in the past. I think Vietnam will be the last war, at least for the U.S., where we've seen a draft. Um, there's no money to be made in wars that involve drafts, um, both in the short term and the long term. That's my own kind of view on what I see and where I see the world has moved to. Uh, and I don't think any of these countries are willing to ruin economic stability for what, right? Because you, you, you gain more land. Um, that land can be taken from you as quickly as you got it, depending on certain circumstances. And, and I just think that you're right, Randy, in the sense that because of what I'm saying, because I think going to going into traditional wars like we think of when we think of things like Vietnam, World War One, World War II, um, 
I think those days are over. I think the new wars are being fought right in front of our eyes as is. And, and that is what war is. And we're going to be dealing with these little annoying threats, these little things that go off every so often. And that's basically going to be war, right? It's, it's almost going to be like coexists with normal life, how, as weird, weird as that sounds. And it will be, <clears throat> unfortunately, it'll be never ending. And, and I think that businesses are, are, are fair game when it comes to it. Like when you're dealing with adversaries like Russia and China. Mm-hmm. They don't see businesses separate from government. Yeah. Right. Especially when you have a de- defense supply chain like we have. Mm-hmm. Right. When you have private businesses that are producing for our military, that's right there where China and Russia say, if we want to go out to Boeing or one of Boeing suppliers because we want to know what kind of technology they're putting in bombs and airplanes. That's fair game for us. <clears throat> and I think that's Agreed. where we're at. Agreed. So I think little things like this with Chinese getting their foothold on certain critical infrastructure things is just going to be the norm. I mean, they know about it. They're aware of it. And they're basically saying there's nothing we can do. Until we change out the infrastructure because we bought all this stuff from China and they put back doors in it and now we're stuck until we hopefully, move to something else. Hopefully we're doing the same to them. to them. Well, we are, but we also have to, again, reevaluate where we're producing things and where we're getting things from. And that's the bottom line. All right, guys. All right. Thank you so much. Uh, any last words before we end the stream? No. All good. All right. We'll see everybody on the next episode. Take care. Stay safe. And we'll see you in the next one. All right.